Good morning. <clears throat> this is going to be fun when I get my voice. <clears throat> I'm actually going to ask Michael Dowsett to come up here. He has no idea I'm asking him. And I want to just point something out as Michael comes up here. The photos are in black and white, and yes, the start of my life we had black and white photos, but they did become colour by the time I was in about grade two. But I decided to go with the black and white theme, just so you know that. <laughs> um, Michael, you are going to be here literally for two seconds because um, I want you, because of his, you know, theatre experience, um, <laughs> yes, he's theatrical, we know that about Very Michael. <laughs> Don't, don't speak yet. Now, it's just that I'm going to read <laughs> the first part of my, you know, like the first paragraph. And I want you, if you can just have a look at these words, I want you to say these words, which are actually said by a famous person, but you have to be suited up as like an astronaut in outer space, okay? Do you think you can do that? Yep, your, mic- your microphone works? Good, okay, so I will read this out and then you do your bit. Okay. okay, so I arrived almost four months before the astronaut Neil Armstrong climbed down from the Apollo 11 ladder and onto the dusty surface, as he said. One small step for man, one giant leap from our Okay, give him an applause. <laughs> okay, theatre group is over. <laughs> thank you for that. I, I didn't think I could give those words justice, so thank you, Michael. <clears throat> um, it was the same year that the famous Woodstock Music Festival was held, 1969. Um, it the, the festival entertained half a billion people from the baby boomer generation, also called the me generation. So there was a lot of <clears throat> things going on there that was interesting. But I was yet to experience these influences. Uh, I was born in Alice Springs as my family lived in Outback Australia, uh, where my dad worked as a primary school teacher. Fun fact, yes, you've got that, um, the two fun facts there. Uh, actually, yeah, thank you, Stephen, you've been doing the clicky thing because I completely forgot. Do you want to just do it for me? Yes, that'd be great, thank you. So if we can move on to le- 1970s lifestyle. Uh, this, by the way, this is a brief version of my testimony because there's a whole bunch of details that I just could not fit in. So I'm not even going to explain where we lived in the outback or what that looked like. Um, but it was a different kind of beginning in the desert. Um, in 1974, the year was almost over by the time my family moved to Brisbane and we moved from Darwin where our home was blown away by Cyclone Tracy on Christmas Day. This is a photo of... I'll just explain the photos as we go. So that's my brother Owen, that's me in the middle and my younger brother Dylan. Um, So my parents studied at Queensland University during my primary school years. I was subjected to their political views, Eastern philosophies and the sexual revolution. Funnily enough, with all my parents' discussions surrounding these topics, I still don't understand politics. So sorry, David. (laughs) I'm not very interesting 
when it comes to that kind of discussion, nor am I particularly interested. Um, but as for the uh, Eastern thinking, my parents were more open to... Um, just got to turn the page philosophical teachings than committing themselves to a polytheistic belief system like Hinduism or Buddhism. Dad especially loved these kinds of discussions with my mum and other uni students. Um, But mum was genuinely looking for answers to the big questions. Uh, I remember mum got involved in some counterculture movements at uni. Um, She also used some Eastern practices through meditation and massage and even set up a massage room in our house. Um, Only recently my brother told me he saw some spiritual beings in our house when we were kids and that disturbed me a little bit when he told me that. But since then I prayed about it and I felt God was saying it was actually um, angels, which I believe that because... There was stuff going on that wasn't good uh, and I believe God was protecting us and watching over us even when we didn't even know him, when we didn't even know the Lord. So my parents weren't materialistic, apart from the fact that we lived off government subsidies because my parents were both students, so there was no income. But they valued the hippie mindset um, and that included discussion around the value of open sexual relationships was all a bit much for me since I was a kid (laughs) but that was my reality on the school front I was being bullied so well God shows up yep the the actual photo there is color and my hair's very red so I got teased I got teased for being a redhead so all the redheads in the room you can appreciate that that you know it's okay to be a redhead it's good but it's hard when you're a kid and getting teased and I did experience that um It just wasn't fashionable to have freckles or red hair at the time. And it was always, you know, the old grannies that would say, I love your hair, you know, because it was strawberry blonde. But anyway, I grew to appreciate it in the end. But I was a miserable soul at school because there was a particular mean girl who decided to bully me. And I was unhappy at home because my parents had a troublesome marriage as well. So apparently I had some Christian education at school, but... The only thing I remember is a Christmas narrative and I was all of 10 years old when after one of these classes I was walking home one day thinking about the virgin birth and the the baby who apparently saved the world. It just sounded absurd. Even at the age of 10 I was like, that's ridiculous. Um, So I just decided it was a fairy tale and People dislike holidays and why not give each other presents and Christmas trees are fun and so Santa Claus. So that was the depth of my understanding about what Christmas involved really. Around the same time, two girls um, from my school befriended me and they scared the bully off who brought misery into my life. So I was very much relieved about that. Um, I discovered one of these friends had a mum who told my mum about the person of Jesus Christ. Now, since my mum was a seeker, I was used to her strange ideas. But when she finally told me that she finally found the answer, I was dubious. Uh, Also, the language she used was a bit unfamiliar, like salvation and sin. 
So I knew of the name of Jesus Christ that wasn't different, you know, because of the Christmas narrative and also his iconic image on the cross at Easter time. Domestic violence was already a problem and mum's conversion only aggravated the situation. So guess what? You don't become a Christian and life's a bit of roses. (laughs) Um, Dad found her fanaticism insufferable. Um, She, behind his back, introduced my brothers and I to classic Pentecostalism, which makes Eternity Centre here in town look pretty tame because we went to healing services where we saw legs lengthened and demon-possessed people released, things like that. So it was really out there. But the moment I stepped into the building, I felt God's presence for the first time, even though I had no idea what it was or where it came from. So we'll move on to church and family. That's my parents in happy times. Um, the 1980s were just beginning when we moved in, moved to Churchill in Victoria. My dad by then had qualified as a psychologist and had a position there. Um, I also started my messy high school years at a very rough school. Um, Mum took my brothers and me to another Pentecostal church, which is also full on. We attended church happenings throughout the week as well as on Sundays. We feasted and worshipped together. We fasted and prayed. There was a lot going on um, in terms of outreach where we go out on the streets and tell people about Jesus. During that time, I gained a sound um, knowledge of scripture and God revealed himself to me during that time. Meanwhile, domestic violence was escalating in the home. At one point, mum ran away to a women's refuge, taking my brothers with me. I don't know why that's going to make me cry, (laughs) but that was hard. And I was only 14. After a couple of weeks, mum rang dad out of guilt, I suspect. He didn't know where we were. He tried sweet-talking her into returning home and it worked. Uh, My parents finally separated and... um, It's because my dad admitted to unfaithfulness and they were divorced a year later. So I was 15 by the time it was all over. So at 14 years old, um, I'd made the decision to follow Jesus. So this is choosing Jesus now. The next slide, thank you. That's my brother's. Um, That was the last time I saw my brother, my older brother on 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 your left, Um, Owen. And Dylan, my other brother, that's my favourite photo. So um, I was baptised by full immersion and um, my dad actually came to church that day and afterwards he confronted me and told me how stupid I was for getting baptised and that I'd regret it. But guess what? I didn't regret it. (laughs) In fact, I came up out of the water with the power of the Holy Spirit on me. And I was on such a spiritual high, it was like I was completely drunk and I was wobbled my way out of the baptismal tank and into the church and everything that my dad said, you stupid girl, you stupid girl, I was so full of the Holy Spirit, it was like it just the word just bounced off me. It just had no impact. 
a lot was happening in my teenage world. It was difficult to navigate life, including where I sat in my relationship with Jesus. I loved and worshipped him, but I followed after other things which were essentially vices used to distract me in my struggle. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. (laughs) We know there's bad stuff out there. Lots of people turn to other stuff. This happened for a long time. By the time I'd turned 21, which is um, about that age there, um, <clears throat> I, I actually had a terrifying encounter with God. And I know we talk about God being loving and he is absolutely, we love his presence, so warm and wonderful. But I remember a conversation and Tim Vallecott was in the conversation once. It was actually a group in, in the multi-purpose room years ago and I remember Tim saying, I had an experience with God and it was disturbing. God can be disturbing. And for some reason, everyone else in the group were kind of having their own conversations. And I'm like, I get that. I have had disturbing encounters from God. Not many, but this one, this day in my bedroom when I was 21 was frightening. Because God knew I was sitting on the fence He knew that. I knew that. But I still kept going back, kept going back to that thing, those other things, trying to satisfy myself, trying to ease the pain and the struggle. And he just gave me an ultimatum, basically. And it was choose life or death, blessing or cursing. And his presence was so consuming that I was on the floor And I was sobbing and sobbing and going, God, I choose blessing. God, I choose life. And, you know, and then, yes, I I settled and I was at peace. But, you know, I gave Jesus my whole heart that day and I have never looked back. I don't believe that that discounts when I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14. It was more that... He wants a holy life. He wants us to live that, be different from the world. And I wanted that. I always wanted that. But I had to make that choice. So I really do enjoy relationships. If we want to move on to the next slide. Thanks, Stephen. That's my brother, Dylan, um, at Monash Uni when he uh, attended one of his graduations and obviously <laughs> my wedding day. Um, So, yeah, I do enjoy the blessings. I have done since that day. I got married shortly after that encounter. Um, a, scripture, a scripture which I often think of is that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. I'm truly thankful for the loving relationships in my life for Jesus' friendship and his incredible peace. And how Jesus said, I came to give peace, not like the world gives. So true. There's nothing that compares with the peace that God gives. Believe me, I was an unhappy child. I was an unhappy teenager. But that peace is it's just something different. And I really believe when we have that, people who don't know him see that. They want that. And they should desire that in us. And that can be our witness, I believe, even just that peace alone. 
I also love the way the Holy Spirit enables me to live a holy life. Not perfectly, <laughs> but, you know, I can go to work and not swear when others are. You know, I can make good choices that are holy and I want that. I love the way the Holy Spirit communicates with me. He speaks. I remember one time when I talked to a non-Christian in my workplace about God said this to me and she looked at me like I was completely crazy. God talks to you? Like, you're right. (laughs) And she even went to a church sometimes. She didn't think God spoke. But he does. And you know how Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a comforter? And I know Leanne was very much touching on that. That's so true. Um, and the hope, you know, instills hope in us. I relish the spiritual gifts he's given me. And prophecy is one of them. All kinds of things God's revealed to me. Um, I've had incredible visions. I was 14 when I had visions. I was like, whoa, what is that? But it was definitely from God. And prophecy is one of my gifts. don't always get to use it. And when I do, it's pretty awesome. Like 911 or September 11. God gave me a vision of that a week before it happened. And when I saw it on the telly, I was like, whoa, I saw that. And I said to Peter, why has God shown me that? He said, he wants you to pray. He shows you things so that you can pray. Um, Another wonderful blessing is to know God as my father. His love is a constant source of reassurance, knowing that I hold value in his eyes. So impossible relationships. So that's not the end of the story. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you who is and what is in these photos. That's my mum. That's my brother Owen. You can't see, but we're both holding a crab in our hands each at the beach at Geelong. Um, So I was about... 14 there so he's two and a half years older than me and that's my brother Owen at the bottom there and you can see um, that's a newspaper clipping which I kept I think it was from the I can't remember the age Um, and it was about um, missing persons and that photo that that's my brother and my father in the photo they're holding a picture of my brother it was the picture of the three of us that I said is my favourite. So they actually, the police took that photo to um, as a missing persons um, thing for the media. I will get on to my brother in a minute. Um, yeah, and my mum. But So over the years I've looked to Jesus to shepherd me through difficult times, including some impossible relationships. One includes my brother who went missing when he was 25. He was never found despite police investigations. I won't share any details surrounding this story as it is a very complicated one. But I will say that the Holy Spirit has consoled me while trying to make sense of it all. Regarding my mother, our relationship is impossible simply because she died. She was killed in a car accident in 2011 and that was the same year that I had Michaela. So even though I miss her terribly, um, 
I've found Psalm 34:18 to be true. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. I also know that I will see her in heaven when the time's right. Isn't that good to know that <laughs> about, you know, loved ones? It's pretty amazing. Another impossible relationship has been with my dad who cut me off for 17 years despite my, despite my efforts to connect. I've written a memoir called The Psychologist's Daughter um, where I describe the heartache of our lost relationship. God also features throughout my story right up until my father's death. An applicable scripture that I thought of was, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This is true. Even if the deliverance looks different from what we mere mortals might expect, God knows what he's doing. So God, my father, is the next slide. I've got some um, scriptures there, but... um, I just want to say the gap my dad left in my life was a gaping one. But God met my need as he revealed his father heart. It has taken years to work through my dad baggage, <laughs> which began long before cut off and admittedly still comes up from time to time. You just have to find my triggers. <laughs> I know what they are. And God helps me when they come up to know how to cope with that and to give it back to him to continue on. Because I believe, you know, that restorative work God does continues. Even as things come up, we still take it back to him, give it back to him. And that I, I don't believe that the restorative work is in vain in that God continues his work that he's begun in us. But I'm secure in knowing who my Heavenly Father is. He is patient and kind and loving. I'm also sure of his sovereignty overall. And so these are the scriptures um, that I want to leave with you. Um, So the first one, it's a bit wordy. (laughs) Um, But I didn't use the old King James Version. (laughs) It was a bit hard to decipher. But in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom, we all, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It gets back to God's sovereignty as our Father and his work through Jesus. And the second one, see so what? kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are we're children of God and that's my story thank you for listening